This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the Black Caucus has unveiled a plan to reform policing in the Sunshine State. We live in two Americas, two Floridas. One Florida has families telling their kids to trust and look for the police when they're in trouble. The other Florida has communities that are fearful of law enforcement officers, where families must give their kids the talk. It's an ambitious agenda. You'll hear details later on Sunrise In-Depth. Guess who's getting into the COVID vaccination biz? The governor says it's none other than Walmart. Beginning on Friday, there'll be 119 Walmart stores across 34 counties that will begin offering COVID-19 vaccinations for senior citizens. Vaccinations are still reserved for people 65 and older, but Ron DeSantis says that will change once enough seniors are vaccinated. Once we start to see some softening in the demand, uh, then we need to get the footprint wider. Obviously, there's people that are 63 and 64 uh, that, that, would, that would definitely want it. And I know there's a lot of different occupations that have asked. So we want to do that as soon as we can. State lawmakers are scrambling to find cash to make up the money lost of the COVID crisis. And Democrats have a suggestion. They say the state could save money and provide Medicaid coverage for almost a million Floridians by expanding Medicaid. I know y'all want to call us socialists because we want to expand Medicaid. But this is not a socialist issue. Because I promise you, if you go knock on some doors, even some of your Republican uh, voters will tell you that they agree. It's not a political issue. It's a people's issue. COVID has also infected the five-year plan at the Florida DOT. 77 road projects have been cut or delayed because of a $763 million shortfall in transportation taxes. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and the story of two different Florida men who disrupted the Super Bowl, each in his own unique way. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, February 10th. On this date in 1933, the Postal Telegram Company of New York City delivered the very first singing telegram. In 1954, President Dwight Eisenhower warned against U.S. intervention in Vietnam. A few months later, the French lost a decisive battle to the Vietnamese set Dien Bien Phu, ending their hopes of reestablishing Vietnam as a French colony. This is also National Umbrella Day. Coming soon to a Walmart near you, it's the COVID vaccine. Governor Ron DeSantis says the feds are sending more doses for retail pharmacies and designated Walmarts will be serving up shots by the end of the week. We obviously wanted to work with Walmart on this because we know how many Wal Walmart has a really significant footprint all across the state of Florida. So beginning on Friday, there'll be 119 Walmart stores across 34 counties that will begin offering COVID-19 vaccinations for senior citizens. And this is over 30% of their total footprint in Florida, which is a really, really good start. They're getting allocated about, what is it, about 25,000? So around 25,000 doses for the Walmart portion of the mission. And I think that they have a, a great plan they're spreading it pretty far and wide. And then as those doses increase from the federal government, they'll be able to do more shots at each store without much of a problem. These are additional doses, not even counting what we're already doing from the federal pharmacy program. So Publix will also get more doses now than they had been getting just from the state. And so they are also going to expand. Uh, so right now they're in 325 pharmacies across 23 counties uh, starting by the end of this week. 
They will be in almost 600 public stores statewide across 41 counties. Vaccinations are still restricted to people 65 and older, but the governor says they'll start the next phase once enough seniors have been served. We, we will move on when we have done right by the seniors. We're doing seniors first, 65 and up. We've gotten a lot done. We're going to get more done. Now that we have uh, the federal pharmacy program, that's in addition to everything that the feds had been sending the state. So we're having more vaccine as a result of this, which is great. At the end of the day, we want to get as much vaccine in the state as possible and get it to our seniors as quickly as possible. Kind of the next phase will be the demand will start to to wane, and I don't think it has waned yet. I think there's still tense demand. Once we start to see some softening in the demand, uh, then we need to get the footprint wider. Obviously, there's people that are 63 and 64 uh, that, that would that would definitely want it, and I know there's a lot of different occupations that have asked. So we want to do that as soon as we can, uh, but we got to do seniors first, keep our eye on the ball, stand by the, the folks, our, our parents and grandparents, parents and we'll do it. Despite all the new vaccines, the casualties continue and the daily number of deaths is still in triple digits. The state health department reported 7,000 new cases and 238 additional fatalities Tuesday. That increases Florida's total death toll to 28,526. Officials at the Florida Department of Transportation say 77 road projects have been delayed or removed from the five-year plan because of the COVID cash crunch. The DOT is short by about $763 million this year because revenue from gas taxes, rental car fees, and tolls are all down as people and businesses reduce their travel. Most of the affected road projects involve joint ventures with airports, seaports, and local governments. The COVID crisis has provided graphic evidence of the flaws in our health care system, and Democrats in the Florida Senate say they have a prescription. Senator Gary Farmer says it's time to embrace the Affordable Care Act and draw down billions of federal dollars to provide care for almost one million low-income workers. We are here to talk about, of course, Medicaid expansion. It's the elephant in the room that many of our colleagues are afraid to touch. It's been that way, unfortunately, since passage of the Affordable Care Act itself. And it has been challenged in states like ours that have no problem taking cash from the federal government to fund our budget to recover from hurricanes or now to stay afloat in the wake of this pandemic. Uh, But when it comes to the working poor in this state or the hundreds of thousands thrown out of work because of the effects of this pandemic, they pull back those outstretched hands and scurry back Uh, into partisan bunkers. We've been here before. Democrats have been trying to draw down that federal health care money for almost a decade, only to have Republicans denounce it as socialized medicine. Senator Chevron Jones of Miami Garden says it's time to recognize that public health is more important than someone's political labels. Florida ranks near the bottom of all states in turn when it comes to health care access. And we know that COVID has only added severe economic uncertainty to our budget, to our communities, and to families. We need to make sure that there are less, not more barriers, so that every Floridian can get the quality, accessible, and affordable health care they need to keep our communities safe and healthy. This is not a partisan issue. I know y'all want to call us socialists because we want to expand Medicaid, but this is not a socialist issue. Because I promise you, if you go knock on some doors, even some of your Republican uh, voters would tell you that they agree 
It's not a political issue. It's a people's issue. Senator Perry Thurston of Fort Lauderdale remembers the last time they had this debate in the legislature. Democrats warned that people would die if the state turned down the health care money. Republicans scoffed. And now there's a pandemic. People are going to die unnecessarily who don't have to die simply because they don't have the health care that they should have, simply because the state of Florida refuses to accept $50 billion of our own money for their health care. We didn't know that there was going to be a COVID pandemic, but our predictions are still right that people would die. It's just now they're dying on steroids. They're dying because we refuse to do what we can do with the stroke of a pen. We're here today because 900,000 Floridians right now are denied affordable health care. 900,000 Floridians, our brothers and sisters, who could get health care if the state government, if the leaders here in Tallahassee, the governor, the leaders in the Senate, and the leaders in the House, that's who's holding this up. That's, that's who set the agenda. So we're here to ask them to do the right thing. Here are these bills that are designed to help Floridians. Here are these bills that are designed to draw down the money that we've sent to Washington, D.C., and that would save lives, that would help our budget, that would provide for the needy. Opponents of Medicaid expansion claim the state cannot afford to provide health care for all those people. But supporters say the state could actually save as much as $200 million per year. In the aftermath of the Capitol coup, a Florida woman is trying again to eliminate state recognition of Confederate holidays and repeal laws that make it a crime to destroy or damage the Confederate flag. Florida recognizes Confederate Memorial Day as a state-sanctioned holiday, also the birthdays of Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee. Senator Lauren Book of Plantation first filed her bill in 2017 after the deadly and infamous Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. It did not pass. She's refiling now after the attack on the U.S. Capitol, where Confederate flags were carried and worn by right-wing rioters. Next up on Sunrise in Depth, the Black Caucus presents its alternative to the governor's bill to increase penalties for protesting. When Floridians took to the streets last summer to protest the killing of George Floyd by a Minneapolis cop, the governor responded with a bill to crack down on protesters. But members of the Black Caucus in the state legislature are suggesting they deal with the actual problem that created the protest in the first place. Representative Fentries Driscoll of Tampa says members of the caucus have introduced a series of bills to reform policing in the Sunshine State. We have introduced and are in the process of introducing numerous bills that if enacted into law would create a database to track use of force incidents and prevent officers who break the law by using excessive force from jumping to agency to agency and getting rehired. Creating a duty to intervene such that any officer who witnessed anything like what happened to George Floyd would have to intervene and stop their colleague and report that incident before the end of their shift. We also seek to establish standardized policies and procedures around the use of excessive force, neck restraints, implicit bias training, the use of body cameras, and no-knock warrants. We seek to reform qualified immunity, the policy for compensating victims of police violence, in the Stand Your Ground Law, and in so doing, making Florida a safer place for all of us. This legislation simply cannot wait. Senator Daryl Roussan of St. Petersburg says this is not an attack on law enforcement. It's a plea for fairness and better treatment in communities of color. He's filed a bill that would require officers to intervene when one of their own goes too far. 
We are not anti-police, but we are for police reform. We are not anti-police, but we stand up for good police officers. We tell our communities consistently and constantly, if you see something, say something. We should hold that same standard to good police officers who have received just and fair training to recognize when to intervene when an officer like Derek Chauvin has his knee on our necks for eight minutes and 46 seconds. What if, what if the officers who witnessed that bad conduct had stepped up at one minute, at two minutes, at three minutes? The bill that I filed with the support of the Legislative Black Caucus will require training for good officers to intervene when they see something bad happen. Representative Geraldine Thompson of Orlando is sponsoring a bill that requires the state to keep track of all the excessive force complaints that are filed against officers. Let's talk about transparency, which is what I want to accomplish with uh, House Bill 277, which would require that the Florida Department of Law Enforcement maintain a database so that we can track instances of complaints of excessive force that would allow us to see officers, law enforcement agencies, districts where there are excessive complaints of excessive force. Derek Chauvin had 15 complaints of excessive force in Minnesota. In a database, that should have raised a red flag. So we want a database in Florida so that there can be intervention, there can be training, there can be disciplinary action, and to prevent a person who is decertified as a law enforcement officer from leaving one county and going to another county. Representative Trey McCurdy of Orlando is sponsoring a bill to limit the use of military weapons by local law enforcement. We're not here to defund the police, but we don't need... um local law enforcement agencies with tanks, tear gas, and those type of equipment against civilians who are there uh, with with signs and water um, to combat individuals with um, militarized weaponry. Some of these ideas will be difficult for white lawmakers to understand. Representative Bobby DeBose of Fort Lauderdale says it's because they live in a very different world. It's no secret uh, too many communities across Florida distrust the police sent to protect them. For many of us, the reality is we live in two Americas, two Floridas. One Florida has families telling their kids to trust and look for the police when they're in trouble. The other Florida has communities that are fearful of law enforcement officers, where families must give their kids the talk. If you are honest about wanting to improve policing in this state, about supporting good law enforcement officers and making our community safer. You'll give these ideas a chance to be heard. We can reimagine a stronger, safer Florida. We just want to see these bills receive an honest debate in committees. That's all we're asking for here today is a collaborative effort to hear these bills to help us reimagine a better Florida for all communities. 
Members of the Black Caucus know the odds are against them, but at this point, just getting heard in committee would be an improvement. Republican leaders are far more interested in passing the governor's bill to crack down on public protests. Your calendar of events begins at 9 when the Senate Judiciary Committee takes up a bill to shield health care providers from coronavirus lawsuits. The Florida Supreme Court meets at 9 to hear arguments in four cases, including an appeal by Dante Morris, who was sentenced to die for murdering two Tampa police officers in 2010. At 10, the House Professions and Public Health Subcommittee holds a workshop about pregnancy-associated mortality. At 1, the House Regulatory Reform Subcommittee considers a bill that would basically give the state control of regulation of vacation rentals and prevent local restrictions. At 3.30, the House Criminal Justice Sub takes up a bill that allows people with concealed carry permits to bring guns to church even if that church is meeting on property owned by the school board, where guns are off-limits. And at 3.30, the House Tourism, Infrastructure and Energy Subcommittee will receive an overview about specialty license plates, of all things. The Florida man who ran onto the field during the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl wearing a pink leotard and black shorts was apparently trying to promote an X-rated website. 31-year-old Yuri Andrade of Boca Raton was charged with misdemeanor trespassing and released on a $500 bond. A short time later, he began boasting about the prank on social media. That pink leotard featured the name of a porn website run by a YouTube prankster who was known for planting people at sports events to promote his business. And finally today, police in Fort Lauderdale are looking for the Florida man who knocked out an entire neighborhood's power less than an hour before the Super Bowl. Witnesses say the guy jumped into a construction excavator which had been parked on the street and somehow managed to knock down a power line before riding off on a bicycle. The power was restored in time for the second half of the game. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. <laughs>